This year, for me, I find that although the colors may be gone, I am so excited about the unfolding of the new year. I've never been so excited about letting the holidays go behind me and go, what is before us? And here is why. We've been talking upon this theme, this entire Christmas season. We've called it our time. We've said it's our time to speak. It's our time to forgive. It's our time to love. It's our time to celebrate. It's our time to adore. It's our time to wonder. And today I want to talk about it being our time to dream. Our time to dream. And I want to build around this very two, ver- two, two passages of Scripture, which are going to give us this complete thought, and I want to give it to you up front to make sure we all get it, and that's this. The significance of Christmas invites us to dream significantly. The significance of Christmas invites us to dream significantly. Now let's look at why. We're saying that this morning. We're going to return for the last time in this season to the birth narrative. And we're going to go to Luke's account. And again, it's a passage that you well know. And it takes place a few weeks after Christ has been born, when he's brought to the temple as the law requires. And we read in chapter 2, verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the customs of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And once again, we see, as we spoke about Mary wondering, once again, as this is unfolding in her life, she's kind of like, wow, here's another thing that is happening. But it's not Mary's marveling that I'm interested in this morning. It's what Simeon said, as the Holy Spirit was upon him, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles in the glory of your people, Israel. Friends, that is where the significance of Christmas lies. We, as those who are Christ followers, know we put away all of the hooey about Christmas being, you know, it's about the warm reflections and the great memories and all of this. Those are all good and they become a part of our celebration. But if we do not have an anchor as to what our hope and the significance of Christmas is, we we can very much go through the season, we've already talked about this, with an unanchored hope. I kind of got this hope that things will be good. I kind of got this hope that life would be peaceful. I kind of got this hope. I kind of wonder if man will ever figure out how to live in peace with his neighbor. It isn't going to happen. That's an unanchored hope. It's anchored in hope in hope, and that goes nowhere. We understand Christmas, the reality of what is there, speaks a very real truth. 
And the truth is what we anchor ourselves in. And the truth of what the significance of Christmas is, is declared in part here by Simeon when he says this one who he's holding now, for which he's glorifying God, he says that he is to be a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. There is something bound up in the arrival of this child that is going to have a worldwide impact. That's what is significant. That the promise that was given to Abraham at the founding of themselves as a nation for land, seed, and blessing through you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. How in the world is that going to happen? It's going to happen with the arrival of this child who's going to bring revelation to a Gentile world that is in absolute darkness. They do not know the Creator God who is seeking to call them to Himself and reveal Himself to broken men and women throughout the nations. And he says, this is where it will begin to change. Because through the story, through the, through the arrival of this one, and then ultimately what he does and the story that follows with him, that he went to the cross, that he was raised again, the Gentiles will receive light and begin to understand that the Creator God of the universe is seeking them. That's the first thing that will happen, that the arrival of this child will have this impact upon those in darkness, and they will begin to understand that which they need. They have longed for some solution, just didn't know where they would find it, and now they'll know where it is found. It's found through what He brings. And it is, he is also going to be the glory of your people Israel. He is going to be that defining purpose, person who comes on the scene of history, which confirms that, yes, God did call Abraham some 18 centuries prior. He did begin a redemptive work in him some 18 centuries prior. He did promise that through the nation of Israel, all the nations would be blessed. And this one is now going to fulfill that promise. And all of those prophetic utterances of, of the prophets that, that, have been, that have been spoken, they're going to be fulfilled, some in his first arrival, some in a later arrival. But people will ultimately come to the place because of the arrival of Jesus Christ, people will ultimately at some point say, God really did do a work through the people of Israel. That nation was special. They were set aside for a particular heavenly, eternal purpose. And that will then be acknowledged at some point. That's the significance of Christmas that Jesus Christ will bring revelation to those who are in darkness and that God's people, the Israelites, His people of the Old Testament, will indeed have confirmed that He has been at work in all of those promises that He has given to them. That's the significance of Christmas, not warm fuzzies that make us feel good because we have family traditions. I love the family traditions, don't get me wrong. And I love the decorations and the lights and the songs. I love it all. But I understand it's purely garnish to the significance as to what took place that day. So the significance of Christmas, we see it there as Simeon proclaims it under the, under, under the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The significance of Christmas invites us now to dream 
significantly. If you will, we'll just back up a little bit and we'll go to Matthew chapter 28. We'll reach the end of the first historical account of this baby Jesus. We understand he lived, he died, he went to the cross, was buried, and then rose again. This we grasp. When we get to the end of Matthew, we find that he has, according to Matthew's account, he leaves his disciples with some significant parting words. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, This is the resurrected Christ now. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We are all familiar with this exhortation. It's called the Great Commission. Before Jesus went back to be with his Father, he gave instructions to his followers. Here's what I want you to do. Ever stop and just think about how over-the-top incredible these instructions are? Look at the superlatives that are in this this simple statement, this simple commissioning. First of all, all authority is given to me. All authority. So as he speaks and he shares this command, he speaks it as the one able to utter such a command, the one who has the power, the one who has the place to be able to say, here's what I'm calling you to do. And it's legitimate for me to call you to do it because I've got all the authority that's necessary to pull this off. Uh, it won't show up on the screen. Ephesians 1.19, I want you just to understand and listen. As Paul says, here's what I want you, the Ephesians, to grasp about who it is we serve. He wants us to understand what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. That's reference to the angelic realm, friends. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. All things are under the authority of Jesus Christ. He rules not only over the universe, but of all of those moral beings within the context of the universe, those who will serve him and those who refuse to bend the knee. Nonetheless, he is in authority over all of them. It's over the top in terms of the authority that he has. That's why Romans 8 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Who's going to withstand us when the one with all authority is on our side? We saw a sense of that all-authority-ness, if you will, when we looked at the end of the book of Revelation, in Revelation 19, and what do we have? Jesus Christ coming on a white horse. And what's the name that is given? King of kings and Lord of lords. He has all authority because all other authorities are under him. He's king to every king. He's Lord to every Lord. There is no one who looks down upon him. Number one superlative, all authority. Number two superlative, it's been given to him. Go, therefore, make disciples. That, of course, is the exhortation to make disciples. But notice, he's describing it of all nations. How much? All nations. He doesn't say the Middle East. 
He doesn't say the Middle East and part of Northern Africa and a little bit of Europe. He says all nations. I am giving you a commission that will literally span the globe. Every nation, kindred, and tribe is to be touched with this message because I'm going to draw people out of every single one of them. You see the superlatives that are there? All authority is His. We're to go to all nations, and we are to, and we are to be teaching them to observe all things He has commanded us. We don't pick and choose. We don't pick and choose the things of God and say, well, I like this part of God's Word, and so I'll share this with people. I like the, I like the loving stuff, and I, and I like the forgiving stuff, and, and we'll just talk about that. No, we need to share everything, the whole counsel of God, because it's all important. Because Jesus said not one jot nor one tittle would pass away from it. That everything mattered. He says, give it all to them. Because they need to hear all of it. Nothing that I, in which I have instructed you is insignificant. Don't go making some, you know, some choices about what you think matters more than what something else matters. I've told you the things that, that we need to, you need to communicate. Now communicate it and get it all to them. Superlative number three, we're to share all things. And then superlative number four, I am with you always even to the end of the age. And he tells us how long we're to be doing this. We're to do it until he returns. We're to do it until he comes back. There's never an end to this. There is always the need to continue to make disciples. Why? There's always a new, there's always a new generation that is being raised and born and being cycled through on the earth. And we have yet to hit every people, every people group, every place. We haven't completed the task yet. You see how big this is? Do you see how incredible? Why do you think we call it the Great Commission? He didn't say, hey, guys, you know, let's see. We started out. Let's say I, I grabbed 12 of you. And if each of you could find 12, well, you could become 144. And that'd be pretty significant, wouldn't it? Wow. Imagine being 144, guys. He says that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. You are to cover the earth with what I am telling you and reach people from every single nation and you are to keep doing it until I return. See how significant this commission is? Just why we dream significantly. In light of that kind of a command, do you think maybe he just it just opens up everything to say, wow. What if we got creative about how we're going to do this? Because it seems like he's given us a wide open door to do some big things. You see, the significance of Christmas invites us to dream significantly. I got to thinking simply about man when he was given, he was given a previous, you know he was, right? A previous command to do something that filled the earth. What was it? In the garden, he was told to be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. That he was given that privilege, his big dream. Go after it, guys. I'm giving you a big dream. And what do they do? We'll try and build this little tower right here, okay? And we'll just stay here, and we'll get a name for ourselves. We'll feel real secure about who we are, and, and we won't worry about what's going on out there. God's saying, man, you're not, you don't understand. I'm giving you a big dream. And man just shrinks it down. Do you think maybe he would say to us, dream big, guys. Dream big. I gave you 
a commission that was in superlatives. All superlatives. I'm not holding you back at all. Think big. So he invites us to dream significantly. One, in his exhortation, known as the Great Commission. Two, we need to think about this, in his determination. Because he has already instructed the disciples, has he not? He's already instructed them back in Matthew chapter 16. Again, it won't come up because you know it. It's fine. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And he's having a discussion with them about what is the perception as their movement is growing. What is the perception among people as to who he is? And there's all, you know, as it is, there's different people with different perceptions. And he says to Peter, and who do you think that I am, Peter? He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, bingo. And let me tell you something. Based upon that profession, Peter, upon that light, that truth, that reality, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you hear his determination in that? Do you see the determination that he has that when he tells us to go in all the world, he is building his church. He says, and it will not be stopped. Hell can place up all the gates at once, but guess what? I'm crashing through those gates and I'm dragging my people out from under the power and the authority of the evil one. I'm going to do that and he will not stop me. How can he make such an outlandish statement? Because all authority is his and he can easily knock down the gates of hell and easily draw people out of it and bring them to himself. So that's his determination. Now, think about this. He's given us this big dream, this great commission. He's determined that it will be fulfilled. So, so he's going to see to it that it does unfold. And then here's where I want to make it just a little bit more personal for us, experiencing what we're experiencing right now here in the beginning of the year 2016, as we've watched 2015 ramp up. We've seen his exhortation. We've seen his determination. I want to reflect a little bit on his revelation. And what I mean by that is not the revelation of the word, but how he has revealed his hand to be working among us. As I look back on this year, I, I honestly believe this year will linger in my mind. It's very significant. And there's one word that I've identified with it, and I think I've maybe shared with you. It's just surprise. God, at least to me, he has surprised me with how incredible his grace grace is and his power is and the work that he's doing, it is far beyond anything that I could have fathomed for a fellowship like this. He has just been amazing. Some of it will feel like review, but I want us to think together about this. At this time last year, we knew that we were going to have someone with a dream to take a team to Mexico and someone with a dream to take a team to Vienna and some individuals who are going to be going whether locally to serve or in different parts of the world. And I'll be honest with you, from a missions committee perspective, we'd sit there and kind of go, it's incredible. I have no idea how this is ever going to happen. And all of those things happened 
And we have people coming back and giving reports, and their lives are changed. They have been impacted. So that alone was beyond anything I was able to put into place and figure out, now, God, how, how we just don't have the wherewithal that this can happen. And all the things we knew were going to happen did. And then it's like, God, on top of this Sunday, as we're watching it unfold, he takes it, he places a cherry right on top. And he says, now look at that. And what does he do? He sends Trent Morris off to Nepal. And it looks like totally changing the direction of their family. And it looks like there's some vocational mission work in front of them. It's like, on top of this wonderful Sunday, he puts this cherry and we think, oh, amazing, God. That is just amazing that you did that. It's a, can't even believe what you, what we were hoping to have done. Now you've added something to that. And then what does he say? He says, but wait, I'm not done. <laughs> Cause I'm sending Caleb back to the Far East to reconnect with her brother and to help others get enabled with that ministry there. How do we wrap our arms around that, friends? Other than the one with all authority and all power and all determination revealing himself to us that he is big enough to do these things and to surprise us with what it is he is about. He's enabling people to pursue their dreams of service for the kingdom. How wonderful is that? And 2016 now rolls over. And before 2016 rolled over, he began to reveal to us, uh, I'm not done yet. There's another calendar year, and look what I'm going to do. Those who of the board members who happened to be there that night, I think it might have been our November meeting. I don't recall exactly. I just know. I was exhausted by the time it was done trying to comprehend the blessings that God was unfolding. I was on the verge of tears, literally. Because that was when Karen came in. She got us up to speed. You see, there's the power team is coming back. We, the power team was here a couple of years ago. That's great. And they're coming back. And that, good things are going to happen with that. But guess what? It's much bigger this time. Because it's not about a, it's not about one thing here. They're coming in February, but the vision for those who are involved with it and those who are praying about it, and if you'll mark Sunday night, January 17th, there's going to be prayer for that. Uh, they want to impact the entire northwest corner of this state. And so there's a lot of different, there's a number of different schools and different churches and pastors who are getting involved in teams being established in certain towns. And so that's one thing that's unfolding before us. That's wonderful. But then Liz Vedbrotten comes in that night and she's looking to start a mops ministry, which we have never had here. And she's willing to do what's necessary to get that up and running to minister to young moms. Like, how cool is that, that God raising Liz up to begin and birth a new ministry that will really see it's come to fruition in the next year. But just God just going, um, open the door on 2016 for you guys. I haven't stopped. And then Wendy comes. And we 
begin to hear the heartbeat of Wendy Smith about a ministry to which God has called her. And because we've heard about the power team and because we've heard from Liz up front, I have asked Wendy. In fact, she actually came back early from family stuff going on in Fargo, specifically to be here, so I must thank her for that. I have asked Wendy if she would come and share part of my message with us this morning in, in just so we can flesh out what I'm talking about. So if we could, we're going to begin. And Wendy, if you would come up and sit with me up here while it goes on. But we'll start. Uh, she's got about a three-minute video that she showed to us as a board. And um, then I want to talk to her for a minute. Unending love, 
Mike on so Wendy can speak here also. Um, Wendy, all of us looking on, if we have no clue as to what's happening, we see really nice pictures of kids with horses. Wow, and a lot of them in very close proximity. And you know there's a lot more happening there than like when my grandkids come out and Lori's got them out with the horses. Tell us what's going on in those pictures as you can. Um, the eight kids in the video are kids that have started coming since I went to EAL, Equine Assisted Learning, it's called, or Therapy with Horses. And um, I had a dream uh, since I was really young. But I think the dream didn't come into fruition until recently or the last few years because I wasn't walking in obedience. And now since my walk is obedient with the Lord and Lord's in, in line with him, that dream is coming true. Um, and my daughter also has the dream and has worked so hard and scraped and struggled um, so that in the past year, the Lord could bless us with eight kids. And those eight kids you see all gave me permission to use pictures of them. And I can't go into detail about their story because it's it's private. But I, some kids just maybe simply have a physical disability. Um, some people just need um, love. But there's some real baggage in the world in Marshall County alone, a lot of my kids are sent from the county. And there's huge stuff in this world. And um, parents have committed suicide. Um, children that are cutters because of abuse that has happened to them. Um, very severely abused kids that can't even accept love from someone. And that horse is just a tool that God gave us because they, they can trust that horse not to reject them. Um, I could just go on and on, but I'll just tell you one story of a girl that has a physical disability and has struggled so much in school. And um, she was working with the horse on the ground, and we don't use 
a lot of times there's no riding. There is riding as well, but uh, she was working with the horse on the ground, and she labeled the horse fear, and she was able that day, a girl that has struggles to walk sometimes and worries about the horse stepping on her, was able to move that horse with no bridle or halter, move that fear to a box labeled God at the end of the arena. And she doesn't have a lot of God background, and she stood in the box with that horse and just sobbed. And the next week when she came back, she said, Wendy, it worked. I was able to go to class every day this week. Um, there's just amazing stories of how God's working. And, and because it's not just the horses, because Christ is the center of it, and that is the only freedom there is, is in Christ. We know that. And those kids get a Bible verse every week. I have kids that never, I have a child who never heard, just like you think we go to missions um, far away. This little boy looked at me when I said how much God loves him like I was crazy. Um, so it's it's here, and there's so much hurt and pain in the world. And this is just my little part that God has called me to. And sorry, I'm going to ask you a couple going. more. No, that's good. Step back up to the mic. Okay, I just want a couple of other things. You'd mentioned just in passing. Now you had the dream for a long time, and it's recently that you've be you've begun to see it unfold. And I hope people, you're clear is what Wendy is being allowed to do now is she's being allowed to have therapy with the horses, with deeply wounded kids, and uh, utilizing the horses and how they can impact somebody. All right, so she's describing for you just one case with this girl in terms of something she overcame. Right? Now, you went to some training for that. We don't have a lot of time, but uh, what what is some of the training you went to for that, to be able to do this? Um, two different places, but... The, the one I'm certified with is called the OK Corral. Um, he was the founder of Equine Assisted Therapy, and, and he's a Christian uh, and started, he was a military guy. He'd been in a lot of trouble. He lost his uh, father, I believe, and he started working in uh, some kind of boys' facility and just realizing that there was so much hurt and pain there. And he started, he was a cowboy, and he started taking the horses, the kids out to the horses. So you got your training. Yeah. And now you're trying to establish this. You've got it established. You mentioned the, the, the social system is sending you people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're getting kids. They realize that you have something you can offer. They're seeing it as effective. Um, they pay you a little bit, not anywhere near what it costs to keep the horses going and all of that. That's just... Not even close. Right. Okay. So a lot of this is your own personal sacrifice. You've set it up as a as a, a nonprofit organization. You've got a board that's working with you. Okay. What I want you to see is how much has happened here, friends. That's what I want you to grasp is how much has gone on. And um, so all of this all of this is unfolding. The the last thing I'm assuming I can make this statement, okay, Wendy, is if people are moved by what's happening here. And they, they want to come to say, Wendy, how can I pray? Can I support you? Can I get hands-on involved? I'm not saying they can because they haven't been trained. 
But if people, if God moves in people's hearts here to talk to you, you're okay that they would come and talk to you about whatever it is and, and so that, you know, you can let a greater number of people know. Okay? Is that good? Mm-hmm. Wendy, thank you so very much for coming and sharing this. Amen. Friends, maybe you see why that particular board night, we were exhausted when it was done because it just seemed like God poured out blessings and he poured out blessings and he poured out blessings. We were like, how do we get our arms around this? And this is just the start to 2016. Just the start. As we've said repeatedly, the significance of Christmas invites us to dream significantly. And I want to pin that down, wrap it up, and we will go. I... I absolutely believe he has more surprises for us. I don't believe he's done. I don't think this is going to define the entire year for us. I believe that as you consider the great commission that we've been given, how over the top it is, that uh, that it, um, he's just like, man, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And he's revealing to himself the greatness of what he wants to accomplish. In some cases... Like with Wendy said, years that she's had the dream. It may take, it may take a while for it to unfold. There may be some things we got to get right in terms of our own personal lives and our own personal walks before it unfolds. But God is ready when the time is right and to bring that blessing. So he's enabling people to pursue their dreams. Power team, mops ministry, uh, uh, horse equine therapy. How wonderful is that? He's got more surprises for us. Two thoughts on that. Number one, prayer is an absolute necessity to that. That's why on the 17th, the power team, is they're trying to gather people from the area to pray, as I've already mentioned. Prayer is going to be an absolute necessity to anything that happens with us as we're moving forward. That is also why this afternoon, Stovey's already referenced it, we have our, we call a forward prayer initiative. Once a month, we gather and... We pray specifically about God leading us as a church. It might take different shape, different times, but we identify different areas of ministry. This is not where we take time to pray about a lot of medical needs. It is about the ministry of this church and committing it into God's hands. Okay, well, we, I've heard that this thing called prayer room or war room is a great movie. In fact, the connections class that meets in here has been doing a study on it. They're actually going to show it within the class, I think, when they're done somehow. So it'll be shown in two parts. I didn't know that when we were setting this up, okay? So it's going to be shown twice here. That's okay. I've heard nothing but great things about it. So we're going to watch that in the fellowship hall. Today, 4 o'clock, we're going to watch it. And then after that, we're going to take time and pray about where God is leading us as a church. It's that simple. We'll have some snacks. We'll have some refreshments. We'll enjoy that movie together. And then uh, after we pray, then we'll, we'll be on our way. But prayer is a necessity. And I encourage you, I don't care whether it's in your own private prayer closet, with your families, uh, in small groups that you meet in. Um, there's, I know of two different times in the course of the week when there are small groups of men who are in this building and they're praying about what's going on. Um, I don't care where it is, but I do ask that you would pray for us throughout this year. Um, that's, it's got to be the foundation to what happens here. Uh, we'll go nowhere if we don't stay connected to God in prayer. That's number one. Number two. Uh, I want to remind us that God works through his people. We just mentioned three that had dreams. And God is allowing them to come to fruition. 
Well, guess what? There's others of us sitting out here who have dreams, who have ideas, who have concepts. That's why you have the 2016 Significant Dreams sheet that's been in your that's in your uh, bulletin. Now you can see it asks you a lot of different questions, some things to consider. There's a there's a basket back here that we're asking you to put these in. I'd prefer you did not put them in today. Unless there is something that you absolutely, oh, finally, I get a chance to say this to somebody and you want to fill it out and put it in today. But what I really would prefer, we take time to bring it home, to contemplate, to pray, to ask God how he might be at work in our lives. What dreams has he been stirring inside of us? It may be the dream to start something new, like a mops ministry. It may be just, you know, it's time I just got connected. I don't know how to start anything, but it's time I got connected to something. And I hear they always need help in Awana. I'm going to see if I can help in Awana, and I'll start there. I don't know what it will be, how God will prompt each of us. have no idea, but... Asking you to take a look at it. We also, some things we've already discussed at annual meetings, congregational meetings rather, you'll see there's some uh, information relative to that. So if you want to give us your input on that. So would you please consider this? Bring it back. We'll keep some out there in case you forget. But would really like you to give this thoughtful consideration. And uh, we will be receiving them and then working with them uh, with the information we get from them. So um, just like to remind us that God, in carrying out this magnificent commission, does it through his people. And it probably starts with an idea, with a dream, with that sense of possibility. Well, could God use me in this way? And I believe he can.